G'day guys, I'm Aaron Schultz and this is episode number 53 of the Outback Mind podcast. Thanks so much for joining in again, episode 53. Uh, now today, very grateful to have a, a very, very well-educated, gifted uh, gentleman by the name of Craig Harper along. Now, some of you may know of Craig, but he's basically been on TV uh, quite a bit over the last uh, few years or decade um, with regards to speaking about uh, and educating about uh, health performance, personal transformation, and um, pretty much in the space of men's health, he's very, very uh experienced as well he has worked with afl clubs and uh variety of other of other sporting disciplines but um more importantly behind that he's actually an exercise scientist and physiologist and has a, a really good understanding of the body but um, today's conversation will be all around uh, about what we can do to get uh, more out of our bodies but also to be able to help us become more self-aware craig's um, doing a PhD at the moment um, in neuropsychology uh, and he's got some, some great advice and knowledge to be able to share with regards to being more self-aware, uh, to be able to bring things into our daily lives that can help us function better physically and mentally. Um, you know, Craig is, uh, is very, very sought after uh, in this particular space, so I'm really grateful for him, grateful for him to come along and have a chat um, to us and to share his knowledge throughout regional Australia, so uh, it may help a few guys out there. Uh, to be able to uh, learn some tips and tricks to be able to manage themselves a bit better or manage yourselves a bit better, but also uh, get some, I suppose, wisdom from a guy that's been around for a long time and knows a lot about this um, this particular space. So I really uh, hope you enjoy our conversation. Uh, I also want to make special mention to our primary partners, Green Nutritionals, Green Superfoods that help our physical and mental health. I'd really encourage you to check out their website, greennutritionals.com.au. And also if you're a bread eater, um, check out uh, Pure Life Bakery, um, so purelife.com.au. They uh, support the podcast. Now, their bread is by far, I believe, the best in Australia. It's really uh, wholesome. It's sprouted. Uh, it's available all throughout the country. So um, if you'd like bread, this might be a, uh, an option to be able to improve your uh, diet by basically giving yourself something that your body may be able to deal with better than the traditional uh, breads that we consume uh, in our regional town. So uh, check them out. I think you'll be surprised on what they do. It's purelife.com.au. All right, guys, thanks for joining us. Listen uh, to Craig and I going at it. Sit back, enjoy, and uh, look forward to your feedback on this conversation. Craig Harper, welcome to the Outback Mind podcast. Thanks for having me, Aaron. How are you? Very well, mate. I'm probably better than you because I'm warm and I reckon you're freezing down there in Melbourne at the moment. It's no need to brag, son. <laughs> Uh, dear, I, I, I've said plenty of times on this that I spent 47 years below the Murray, so I, I reckon I deserve a couple of warm ones. Uh, winter's, yeah. winter, winter's above the Murray, you know, so it's good to be uh, in some sunshine, but it's probably, uh, yeah, it's a bit cool at night, but nothing like it would, it would be down there at the moment, mate. So really grateful for you joining me. And I've already let the guys know that's listening in uh, to this a bit about your background, mate, and uh, what you've been able to to do to try and raise consciousness throughout um, uh, Australia over your journey and beyond, mate. And um, it'd be really terrific to, to, to give the listeners a bit of a, an idea about your, about your upbringing, like where Craig Harper was from and, uh, and mm. sort of how life's evolved for you up until now. 
Yeah, thanks. Well, I guess, unlike a lot of your guests, my life and I am very unspectacular. <laughs> so I don't know that it's overly impressive, but maybe my lack of spectacularness and my mediocrity was the thing that got me a little bit um, excited and pumped and inspired to do something with, you know, what I had. So I just grew up in rural Victoria, mate. I was a normal kid, except that I was morbidly obese. I was the fattest kid in my school. So... My name at school was Jumbo. Parents called me Jumbo. Kids, teachers called me that. Um, so that was like, for me, the first, uh, I guess, um, practical and emotional and physical hurdle that I dealt with that was kind of significant. But at the same time, it wasn't like a, a horrible or abusive childhood anyway. But it was just, you know, one of those things that you navigate and negotiate as a human. So when I was 14, I had a bit of an experience which wasn't that pleasant, which involved uh, the school swimming sports and me weighing 90-something kilos as a 14-year-old and um, I decided that I'd get in shape and uh, I literally had um, I had a moment in time. You know, I think sometimes we have an emotional and a psychological tipping point uh, for better or worse. Something happens and uh, we either step down or break down sometimes um, or step up and um, I decided to change my operating system so i went for the first run of my life at 14 a few hours after the swimming sport extravaganza mm. changed the way i ate changed the way i lived changed my operating system and just started to get into fitness really just because i didn't want to feel that shit feeling that i felt standing on lane eight in front of all those humans with my fat body and my brown board shorts you know mm. so that for me was the that was a kind of a moment in time for me to step out of the holding pattern, I guess, that I was in or the, the groundhog dayness of my existence and to uh, begin to explore this thing that we call human potential and, you know, genetic optimization and cognitive optimization and what does all that mean and how do I make, how do I make my life better and how do I make me better in the middle of that life? So mm. I started to get into training and fitness and health and wellness. I ended up working in gyms. I ended up owning gyms. Uh, I set up the first personal training centre in Australia in 1990. I was um, maybe Australia's first trainer in 1985-86. Set up, like I said, the first PT studio, wrote the first course, ended up owning four PT centres over 25 years, employed over 500 trainers. Went back to uni a little bit later and did a degree in exercise science, became a university lecturer started working with athletes, teams, wrote a few books, worked at St Kilda Footy Club, Melbourne Vixens, Melbourne Phoenix in the National Netball League, Nissan Motorsport, bunch of Olympic athletes. Um, yeah, mate, it's just been, it's been a journey. Worked in the media, worked in radio, worked in telly, wrote for the Herald Sun. Um, but all around, I mean, my, the stuff that's always fascinated me is bodies and humans, I started working with bodies, I tell people, and then I ended up being more fascinated with the humans that live in the body. So the psychology and the emotion kind of, you know, human performance, human thinking, uh, human behaviour, um, the way that we create reality, the way that we tell ourselves stories, the way that we uh, self-manage in the middle of the mayhem. You know, in, in Victoria right now, we're still in a semi-lockdown. Mm. You know, we've got to wear masks indoors and outdoors. Um, I'm a bit of a gym head, obviously. I can't go to the gym because the gyms are all still closed. And 
And so there's stuff in life that we can't control, that external, physical, three-dimensional world, most of which is out of our control, and then the internal, the cognitive and emotional and, you know, thoughts and ideas and feelings and beliefs and values and passion and drive and happiness and sadness and pain and suffering. And, mm. you know, so it's been a journey, mate, and here I am 57 years old and kind of what's that, 43 years after I went for my first run and it's been an interesting journey. Unbelievable, mate. Um Geez, uh, the 14-year-old thing, uh, that was a bit of a turning point for me, but I sort of went the other way. You know, I went down the easy road and um, hit the booze and all that sort of stuff and took me a long, long time to change that, you know. And um, I'm really, really um, proud of you for be able to, to, to make that change at that, that stage in your life, mate, because you would have been used to all the, the baggage that came along with it uh, and, um, you know, all the all the criticism and so forth that I guess is probably pretty common in a lot of uh, country towns and, um, you know, for you to be able to sort of walk away and say, I've had enough of this and uh, be able to make those changes in your life, mate, that's um, that's absolutely tremendous to hear. Yeah, thank you. You know, I think we, you know, we have moments in time, don't we? And for me, that was just, you know, it seems silly. It seems a bit trite now when I look back on when I, I think about people with real problems but for me, it felt like the biggest issue in the world being the fat 14-year-old that was completely humiliated and embarrassed at that moment in time with all those people looking at him. And, you know, for, that, for me, that was enough of an emotional and cognitive uh, catalyst, I guess, for me to go, no, I'm not doing this again. I'm not going to feel like this again. I'm not going to give people the opportunity to... And they didn't even do anything wrong. I mean, this is all in my head, you know, but I, I just hated how I looked and how I felt and, and uh, you know, I, I just had zero self-worth, zero self-esteem, zero confidence. I uh, didn't like who I was or how I was or what I looked like and, you know, that was very compelling for me at that point. What was contributing to your weight all those years? You know, mate, I wish it was something deep and, you know, philosophical and complicated but i literally just ate too much food mm. like my mum and dad were great people still great people still around god bless them touch wood you know um yeah i just i mean i love food i was a little foodie and i, I don't have awesome genetics like I, I always tell people i look look at a donut and my ass gets a bit bigger so i'm i'm quite endomorphic we call it genetically um but you know like anything you figure out how or if you do the work, you figure out how your body works or your brain works or your emotional system works and you try to optimise it. So, you know, but I battled with weight on and off. I lost about 35 kilos quite quickly when I made that decision. I went down to about 60 kilos. And then I probably I probably put weight on and lost it consistently till I was about 30, 32, I reckon. And then probably for the last 25 years, I've, I've kind of had my shit together, I guess stabilized it's interesting i had mark bunn on the podcast previous to you um and we talked a lot about body types and um mm. you know obviously in australia we're sort of put into the box of all doing the same thing but everyone's body type is primarily different and you know in those eastern cultures they obviously really value what body type you are but out here we we sort of don't pay any attention to that um yeah, I, I was probably uh, similar to you, mate. Like, I, I come from a really uh, good family and, and ate, uh, ate a lot and uh, a lot of sugar and all that sort of stuff. I didn't have the, the problems with the overweight um, side of things, but I think 
the mental side of things that actually comes with the sluggish, sluggishness and so forth of eating too much sugar is, um, is not visible, obviously, to many people out there, and that sort of reflects your behaviour as well. Mm, definitely. So what we know now is, and we didn't always know, but I, I actually think... <laughs> I actually think the Eastern wisdom is a fair bit ahead of us and has been for a long time. Mm. But what we know is that the, you know, physiology, psychology and emotion are intertwined. Um, and so, you know, literally what we eat not only affects our body but affects cognitive performance, affects the nervous system, affects cardiovascular system, respiratory system, um, affects everything. And so, you know, when I'm constantly putting low-quality food into my body, and, of course, my brain is part of my body. I can't expect my brain to function optimally when I'm, when I'm feeding it suboptimally. And so, yeah, it's, it's trying to understand that my body and my mind and my emotions and, I guess, my spiritual self are not disconnected. They're intertwined. And, you know, when you grow up as a fat kid and then you get in shape, on some level, consciously or not, you kind of believe that your, your body is who you are, your body is your identity. Mm. And because I was insecure, I was the ex-fat kid, I, I desperately wanted to be loved and needed and wanted and to belong. So I got my whole sense of self from what I looked like for a very long time. And so I always had to be lean and strong and in shape and, you know, went through the running hysterically phase and the body building phase and the how big can I be for no intelligent reason phase and, mm, yeah. the, you know, the please love me and like me because I look awesome phase, you know. Yes. Yeah. And then you get to the point where, you know, many times I've got, I got to the point where I was in really, really good shape for my genetic potential and despite being in really good shape, all of my bullshit and my issues were still there. And you're like, oh, okay. So now I'm in great shape, but I'm still insecure. I'm still overthinking. I'm still self-loathing. And I still feel like I'm not good enough. So maybe there's more to it than my biceps. Mm. Oh, yeah, absolutely, mate. I, 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 um, I really am I'm grateful to hear you talk about doing the work and, you know, all the learning that actually comes from that too, Craig. And, uh, I don't want to talk about my own journey too much, but like I, I went on that that um, that low self esteem uh, merry go round between sort of uh, fourteen and thirty seven until I got the mm. opportunity to go to a twenty four hour gym so I could get in there so no one could see me, you know, mm. and mm. Uh, and work my body for, for for months between four and six a.m. and wow. uh, got myself in good shape, and I thought you know once. Once I did that, then what do I do now? So I just kept pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing and got myself physically better and stronger and all that uh, on the outside, the big biceps and, you know, incredible strength. But also underneath, the little boy hadn't been healed, you know, and um, yeah. that's when I had to really start to do the work uh, on the emotional side. Mm. And that's good, good for you, mate. And how old are you now? 49. Yeah, good for you. That's amazing. And like, these conversations are so valuable and important. As you know, I'm not telling you anything new. And, you know, for blokes to be able to talk about, like, especially blokey blokes, whatever that means, to be able to talk about their insecurity and their self-doubt and their fear and, and their overthinking and their need to belong and their, you know, their need to feel good about themselves by their body. And it's quite liberating, you know, and it's, there's nothing wrong with, of course, having a great body, but it's, it's trying to find that, you know, where where does Aaron live beyond the body or where does Craig live? Like there's Craig's body and there's Craig. What's the difference? Mm -hmm. You know, where's Craig in the middle of those biceps and abs or whatever it is, you know, and to understand 
and to kind of go there. And because, I mean, when we grow up in our culture, well, maybe I'll just say my experience growing up anyway was that success is pretty much about what you have and what you earn and what you own and what you drive and where you live and what you look like, you know, and your brand. Like these days, your brand, it's all about your brand, mate, your profile and, you know, and then you go, okay, so, you know, and I I realised not, I mean, I didn't feel young at the time, but looking back, I think I was young. When I was about 30, I had a bit of a, I reckon I had almost had a breakdown. I didn't, but I had a bit of a mini meltdown and I owned three gyms at that stage and another business and I had about 100 staff four different locations, lots of stuff going on, making lots of dough. All my businesses were in the black. Everything was good from the outside looking in. But in the middle of all of that, what seemed to be success, I was just miserable and disconnected and um, sad and not sleeping and overthinking and anxious. And the funny thing was uh, it didn't make sense because I'm like, but I'm doing all the things that I'm doing the successful things. I'm living in the middle of my successful life. From the outside looking in, I'm killing it. But from the inside out, I was kind of killing myself because I was I was trying to live up to this ideal that wasn't really, for me, it wasn't really authentic. And I think this is a really interesting conversation around you know, are my beliefs mine? Did, why do I think this and believe this? Do I be, be, because do I think this and believe that success is that because that's truly what that inner voice tells me, or my internal wisdom, or my internal sat nav? I call it tells me, mm. or because this is just a byproduct of my programming. You know, and you think about from the moment that we could all comprehend anything till this point in time, you and I right now, or listeners listening to this. We've all been programmed, we've been taught and told and trained to think and be and act and believe a certain way. And you grow up, I grew up being programmed that success was about stuff. And then I had all the stuff and I'm like, why don't I feel successful? And so that for me was, that was another turning point in my life. Yep, sounds very familiar. (laughs) Very familiar, absolutely, mate. Uh, Yeah, we, we were... We were, we were led down that garden path significantly and I remember getting home one day and having a look around at all these beautiful things and uh, the view and all that sort of stuff and think I'm, I'm fucking miserable underneath all this, you know. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm an, I wouldn't say I'm an arsehole, but I'm, I, I, my marriage is not great and, you know, I'm not the best to my kids because I'm working all the time and I've got all this stuff, but is it really worthwhile? And um i had to really you know make some changes then and unfortunately my marriage didn't didn't um didn't last much longer but uh you know i always say before i say i love you you first must understand i you really got to know yourself before you get into a relationship i think and that's where a lot of us get uh fall fall into the trap where we sort of you know get into a relationship that we think we've got to provide consume and get all these um these uh, assets, but at the end of the day, we sort of we hit the point like you and I possibly did, and think, well, why? Why am I doing this? You know, <laughs> mm. that's yeah, definitely. And I think also you, you you're not going to be good enough for someone else until you're good enough on your own. You know, and I used to, I, I literally would go from relationship to relationship because mm. I was, I mean, insecure. Mm. And and did not want to be alone. I did not want to spend one, you know, Saturday night by myself or whatever it was, you know. So, and, and 
yeah, I was terrible at relationships. I mean, I wasn't doing horrible things. I was just never wanted to be alone. Mm. So I would just, you know, I would be out of a relationship on Tuesday and sometimes almost in a new relationship on Wednesday because I was so fucking needy and Mm. I was so insecure that I needed someone to want me or love me or pay attention to me. And it wasn't until I had, you know, a, a... a moment in time when a relationship ended and it was the right thing that it ended. Um, and I, I realised that although she was a lovely girl, she wasn't a girl for me long term and I knew that was very clear. And then two days later, all I could think about was getting back with this girl that I knew wasn't the girl for me. Yeah. I'm like, what am I doing? And it wasn't because it wasn't for any reason other than fear. And I literally made myself not even go on a date for a year. I didn't even have a coffee with someone. I didn't see a film. I didn't do anything with anyone for a year because I wanted to figure out what that was about for me. Yeah, mate. Oh, yeah, look, uh, everything's everything's hitting home. Um, uh, yeah, uh, my, my experience was uh, I did that, um, you know, separated, lived on my own. Um, and then I, 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 I was into Buddhism before that. Uh, and then I, um, I spent the, probably five years in stillness pretty much, um, as often as I possibly wow. could just to work out myself, you know, unpack all the stuff back to the little boy mm. uh, to get to know, you know, uh, the person that they call Aaron, I suppose. Um, but, yeah, all the things that sort of are underneath all the, all the, the outside uh, external that we, that we have when we, when we go into modern life and into society and... Um, you know, I had a relationship with a girl um, last year or the year before and, uh, you know, we were together for a while and she was a beautiful girl, but um, it just it wasn't going to be the, the right thing long term, Craig. So, you know, that mm. didn't last. But I, I, I guess, you know, getting back to what I said before, I say I love you first, but I understand I like you didn't understand yourself. So you were looking for happiness in someone else, you know, and, and I've, I've avoided the temptation to do that. Um, yeah. Just, just to try and say, well, no, I'm not going to go and get into something that's maybe destined to fail just to, to give myself uh, a diversion. You know, if it's a relationship that I'm going to get into, it's got to be effortless. And, yes. Uh, and that relationship just needs to work fluently, like flow, like two animals in nature do. Um, you know, things just seem to work in synchronicity. And I believe that the, the right individuals are out there for you if you actually understand yourself first and foremost, and, and be able to you know, love yourself before you, you can really love someone else, I guess, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, I think we have this idea too. In fact, to get, we get told, that, you know, it's like we're, we're somehow incomplete and then we're going to find someone to complete us. Mm. <laughs> like, well, firstly, nobody's incomplete, you know. So that's a silly concept. But my, my kind of litmus test for all relationships whether it's friendship or whether or not it's an intimate relationship. I mean, I'm talking about optional relationships here. I'm not talking about family. But I always say, is my life better with this person in it or out of it, mm. you know? And and that, and that not that not that everything's about, you know, um, checks and balances, but it's, it's – uh, there are so many unhealthy relationships that people have that – I, I often, and I'm talking to people all the time, I think I wonder why, you know, I wonder why this even exists, this relationship, because it, it, se- it doesn't seem to be a friendship. It seems to be 
toxic. It seems to be unhealthy. It seems to be competitive. Yeah. I don't know what is in this for either of you, you know. And so, you know, we don't want to be jumping in and out of friendships, I guess, and, and friendships have and relationships have peaks and troughs, of course. But, you know, I, I think at some stage we need to say, is this is this thing that I'm in healthy, towards the healthy end of the scale or the toxic end of the scale? And, you know, because at some stage, you know, how many people stay in relationships for sometimes decades that are kind of soul-destroying? And it makes me sad because people can be happy. But, you know, I think sometimes people associate more pain with getting out of something than staying in it. Yeah, absolutely. I think of my uncle, mate, and 60 years of marriage, and <laughs> it was torture for him, I know, but he just said, you know, you marry for marry for good and that sort of thing, and that was his philosophy, um, you know, a, a beautiful man, but I think his life could have been totally different if he was in full alignment with someone. Um, Craig, it's no different than the workplace, you know, like we, we're in toxic workplace environments consistently, and, you know, we're not aligned with our, with our managers, um, uh, many of us, and geez, I, I've had some great conversations with people on this podcast about that, and how much better would it be if your manager came up to you every week and actually like gave you a hug and said, oh, mate, I'm so grateful for what you're doing here. I really appreciate your contribution. How are you today? What, what's going on in your life? You know, does that ever happen? I don't think it does. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a tricky one these days, especially with the hugging. You might want to get clear on that before you <laughs> hug someone. Well, it won't, it won't, be, won't be happening in Victoria. No, that's right. But yeah, yeah you, you make a really good point and, like I do a lot of corporate speaking, but I'm not really, um, this sounds contradictory, but I'm not really a corporate speaker per se because I don't go in and talk about the corporation or the business or the bottom line or the infrastructure or the KPIs. I, I go and talk about the humans who work in the organisation. Mm. And so, you know, whether or not, like I did a gig the other, a gig the other night for, um, uh, what are they called? Um, um, it'll come to me, Hewlett Packard, HP. Uh, Yep. And uh, and that was for 38, oh, that was for nearly a thousand people in 38 countries, right? Mm. And so I'm talking to this multinational, gigantic company, and really I'm talking to all these humans in all these places just about human stuff, mm. about how we think, how we feel, how we process the world, um, how we create our own experiences at work, how we interact, how we connect, how we communicate. Um, how we manage our mind, our body, our emotions, um, how other people see us, how we see them, why that matters. Um, yeah, and I think first and foremost, when people get treated like people rather than a, a cog in an organisation, well, you're, on, you're off to a good start there. Mm. And, yeah, we've all got a job and we've all got a role, but, but who we are is not a job. That's just what we do. Who, who, who we are is multidimensional emotional, creative, spiritual, physical, uh, cognitive, you know, intellectual creatures that happen to be doing this role. Mm. And so, you know, some of, the, some of the managers and CEOs that I've coached over the years, I, I encourage them to go sit, have a coffee with their staff and not talk about work. Mm. Like, don't talk about work. Don't talk about their performance. Talk about how they're going. Talk about their kids. Talk about their life. Talk about the footy. Talk about anything, but just have some connection and in that in just doing something normal and actually caring about somebody without trying to view anything too methodically or review anything um 
you know, there are some great outcomes. Mm. Oh, absolutely, mate. Everyone, everyone wants to be feel, uh, made feel um, like they're making a contribution or they're loved or they're, uh, you know, they're, they're really appreciated. I just don't see it happening still. Now, it's, it's becoming more and more common that, um, that, that, that these conversations like you and I are happening, but we still see it, that, that organisations aren't actually like, they're not leaders, they're actually just people that have done a degree in a certain discipline that's about performance rather than around uh, humanity, I guess, at the end of the day. And the humane side will, 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 will bring results. You know, if you're actually able to connect with an individual and show them compassion and kindness and gratitude and all those sorts of things, then they will think, well, yeah, geez, you know, these are great, like, great guy, great girl. We, we can actually, like, do something a, bit, a little bit extra to be able to help contribute here and... Um, I think that's a lost start. It used to happen a lot, you know, uh, in, the, in the last decade, uh, earlier last decade, but people really valued their workplaces and valued uh, the opportunities that they had. But now it's a dying art and we, we don't see many leaders uh, able to step up and, and really live authentically from that, in that space, I don't believe. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think it's really important that, that you know, leaders and, you know, bosses, CEOs, whatever, uh, supervisors, coaches, teachers, that they have a level of emotional intelligence and social intelligence and situational awareness and and genuine compassion and empathy for the human beings that they're leading and coaching and teaching and talking to, you know. Mm. Um, my PhD is literally on a thing called external self-awareness. Mm. And external self-awareness is your ability to understand what it's like for others to be around you. Mm. So in other words, the you experience. So what's the Aaron experience like for Aaron's audience? What's the Aaron's experience like for the person that he's chatting with in the coffee shop? What's Aaron's or what's, you know, what's your family's interpretation of you? And so what we see, and this this um, research was born out of my experiences actually talking with leaders in the corporate space who had no awareness of what they were like to be around. Mm. So they would think that they were giving people uh, feedback and leadership and clarity, but what some of the people were getting was judgment and criticism and attitude um, and uh, intimidation. Absolutely. Right? Yep, yep. Now, now, the only person who in the world who thinks like Craig Harper, exactly as Craig Harper, the only person who thinks like you is you. Mm. Now, in order for me to understand, in order for me to be able to connect with an audience, be it of one or a thousand, I need to go into the conversation assuming that they don't think like me mm. because they're not me. So I need to, whatever the message or the idea or the concept is that I want to share, like even right now in this moment in time, realizing it's not just you and me in the conversations, it's potentially thousands of people. I need to try to share my thoughts and ideas and stories in a way which I hope will resonate with the greatest percentage possible mm. because I'm very aware that most people don't necessarily think like me, not that that's good or bad, that's human. Mm. You know, so this awareness of what is the Craig experience like for others, what is the Aaron experience like for others, um, not so that we become insecure about what people think of us, but rather so that we can create greater connection, greater communication greater resonance and greater outcomes if you're coming in at, 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 at your approach with 
the higher levels of consciousness being kindness, gratitude, compassion, uh, rather than the lower levels of consciousness like shame, fear, and guilt, you know, which, mm. are, which a lot of guys are in. You know, they're in that shame, fear, and guilt mode and they go into the workplace like that, they go into a relationship like that. Um, if, you, if you can really embrace and embody um, uh, a stillness practice every morning where you can actually connect with the higher levels of consciousness being, you know, gratitude, kindness, compassion, love, all those sorts of things, love for yourself, then start your day. I believe you'll take that out into the world. But if you wake up like a lot of guys do in, in, in anxiety, uh, you know, with fear coming in and shame and, you know, geez, I've got to buddy, I've got to do this, I've got to do that, then you're going to take that out into the world with you. Um, so, yeah, it's a, a great, great point um, that, uh, the, you know, this, uh, this, this external self-awareness is, is relevant. And I guess, yeah, you're right. Like a lot of us are always worried about what people think about us. But once we can sort of let go of that and start to come back home, I always mm. sort of say come back to the neutral mind where we can come back to that feeling of us again, then, mm. uh, then we can actually be our authentic selves, I guess, more, more so. Yeah. And I, I think there's another really interesting thing to think about in this conversation, and that is, and we're going to go deep here, and I know that you like going deep, but yeah. is, is the nature of reality as, a, as, as an experience for you and me and the listeners. And so when you think about, you know, let's say, for example, you have a 1,000 or 10, let's go 10,000, doesn't matter, but let's just pick a number, 10,000 people listen to this conversation. So 10,000 people, well, that's 10,000 different people, each with their own personality and beliefs and values and backgrounds and expectations and genetics and cognitive default setting. And so we've got 10,000 unique humans listening to one conversation. So there's going to be 10,000 different experiences or... 10,000 different realities. Um, and it's really interesting when we start to think that there's the world around me, the external physical three-dimensional world, um, and then there's the world within me, you know, the unseen, the non-physical, you know, the no-dimensional or perhaps the multi-dimensional world, right? Mm. Um, and then where we go, well, life happens around me but where I do living is in me I do living in my thoughts and feelings and emotions and ideas and creativity and love and kindness and compassion and those things that you mentioned and this is where we start to open the door on awareness of the space between the external and the internal and and where we do most of our or what we pay the most attention to and we are we are very much raised in a an externally focused mindset you know, like I said before, what you have, what you earn, what you own, what you drive, where you live, what people think, what you look like, your brand, your business, your money, your bank account, all external things. Mm. Right now, we can tick all of those boxes and be living in the mansion overlooking the ocean with the Maserati and still in the middle of that be taking Xanax and sleeping tablets and Valium and you name it, we're taking it because my internal world is a train wreck. Yep. So it's, it's, these are really important conversations because, of course, there's nothing wrong with an external picture of success. Well done, that's great. Making lots of money, well done, great. Great house, great car, well done, great. But it, it's trying to figure out what success is for us as individuals behind the idea of success that we were born into. Mm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, I, I guess... You were probably similar to me coming from Ballarat or you know the country environment, where the you know the, the footy clubs were the were, were the scene back then. The, the guys mm. that played uh, 
Uh, you know, for Ballarat, I played for Golden Point or whatever were the ones that uh, got their name on TV at um, on Saturday night when they led the, read, read the scores out between mm. in the break of a Saturday from memory. And um, and uh, you know uh, Tony some Tony Gull I think was the guy from Ballarat I remember him and he he was always popping up and I thought geez I want to be like Tony Gull, um, you know or Trevor Gull or whatever his name was he's a real estate agent there but anyway um, yeah I, I just thought yeah I needed to be like someone else or, or whatever but really what I, I needed Dad to say to me back then learn from these guys and you be your own person you be your own person you know just have that constant reassurance. Um, you bring your own your own self to the world, not not living in the mindset of uh, being like someone else, which I think a lot of us fall into that trap of uh, of actually becoming. Mm. And I think, yeah, you're right. Well, obviously, we're strongly influenced um, by all of the things and people around us, you know. So, school, friends, family, parents, media, social media. Um, you know, situation, circumstance, environment, all of these things kind of influence us and we become a version of, or we tend to become a version of who we're around. Mm. And if we're around a group of people who think a certain way, pretty soon we're going to think that way because we grew up, we grow up in a group thing. But one of the challenges for us is to become aware of our programming, I think, and to become aware of our conditioning and to not necessarily to rebel or push back, but just to be aware of it. So I, I've always, I'm always thinking, where does my programming finish and where does Craig start? Mm. You know, where does, the, where does the clean canvas that is me start and where does everything that I've been taught and told and trained and programmed to believe and do and think and execute, where does that finish? Mm. You know, and I think the beginning of awareness and consciousness is to become uh, aware of our lack of awareness, aware yeah. of our lack of consciousness, and to recognise, I only think this way because mum and dad think this way. Yes. This was my philosophy. This is dad's philosophy. This is mum's philosophy, and now this is mine. And that doesn't mean it's wrong, but it just means that I've simply, I never actually made a decision to believe this. I just, uh, this is just part of who I am and how I think by virtue of where I've been. Mm. And I think some, you know, like I grew up thinking, I wasn't talented. I think I grew up thinking I wasn't academic, thinking I couldn't be athletic, all these things. But not that anyone directly told me that, but that was that belief was the result of my experiences. Mm. And it wasn't until I started to go, well, what happens if I run? What happens if I train? What happens if I change my operating system? What happens if I go to university for the first time when I'm 36? which was absolutely fucking terrifying, right? <laughs> I can imagine, yeah, yeah. Terrifying, because I thought I was the stupidest person who'd ever been to a university. Yeah. And you figure it out. You know, I started my PhD a year and a half ago at 56 to become a doctor of neuroscience. Mm. Still terrified a year and a half later, right? Mm. Mm. But it's being scared is not a bad thing. Being scared is a human thing. Mm. And it's not our goal, I think, anyway. Our goal is not to have a life that's absent of fear, our goal is to be able to navigate fear as an unavoidable part of the human experience and to navigate it with courage and awareness. Mm, not living it all the time. No, no, but it's, it's you know, it's, I've never met anyone that's fearless. Like everyone's scared of something mm. and, and we don't want to be controlled or managed by fear, of course, but we're all scared of something and guess what? It's okay. 
it's okay to be scared because it's called being human. Mm. Mm. Oh, that's right, mate. Well, it's, it's, it's part of the, the mind that's there to protect us, obviously, isn't it? And, uh, yeah. you know, our amygdala is, is switched on a lot these days. Um, you know, I remember years ago, uh, I'd get excited when I got closer and closer to Ballarat because there was a McDonald's at Bakery Hill. And uh, there was the only one within like hundreds of kilometres, and uh, you know now we have we have all this stimulation and so forth, which gives us temporary joy primarily. But mm. then the fear mm. the fear will come back into your game after that. You know you'll go back into that negative mindset uh, again quite quickly. Mm. Would you agree? Yeah, definitely, definitely. You know, and this is, I mean, I think the thing you know for you and for me, and I think for most people is we're just trying to do better. Just trying to do better. Like I'm at 57, I'm trying to be better and think better and choose better and serve people better and have a purpose bigger than myself. You know, and we're all. I think most people who are trying to live a more conscious existence, um, this is where we're at. Mm. You know, with regards to attachment. Um, you know, obviously attachment, as the Buddhists talk about it, as being the cause of suffering. So if we've got, like, attachment to the job, the mortgage, all these sorts of things, um, that can keep us trapped, which keeps us in fear. And um, mm. uh, I guess, you know, it, 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 it becomes uh, evident at some stage in our lives that that attachment is, is probably something that we can do without. So I really believe, like, just peeing back the things that aren't necessary can can probably help you live a bit more conscious, aware, emotionally intelligent, connected with yourself, connected with other people. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah. And I think we, we a lot of us, like we've said already, we grow up in a story that says that things equal success, mm. you know, and that I feel great now because I have this position and this title mm. or I have this, I'm attached, to, I, I get my entire sense of self-worth from this job, you know. Mm. And one of my... One of my roles over the years has been working with athletes, elite athletes who um, retire or get retired. Mm. And, um, you know, that's it, it. When somebody has been an elite, high level professional athlete or Olympic athlete, and then um, all of a sudden they're not that anymore, and they've been a version of that for 20 years, they've been since they were six, seven, eight, nine years old up until 30, now all of a sudden you're not that elite swimmer or runner or footballer or basketballer or whatever it is. Mm. And you got your entire or a lot of your sense of self and self-worth from that and identity, mm. then that's gone. That's a dramatic loss for people. Oh, absolutely. And, and, yeah. and they don't know who they are. Mm. They don't know who they are now. Well, if I'm not that, then who am I? Because we confuse what we do with who we are at our core. And it's understandable because in some ways success at elite level anything requires or we tell ourselves it requires obsession but it's not really a healthy practice mm. it kind of works in some ways but it's kind of a disaster in others yeah mate um it's no different like at that level to someone that's living in a country town in wa or tassie or victoria or queensland listening to this that is attached to being something in that environment you know uh, that may be um, that may be a sports person. It may be a uh, you know a business person. Whatever it may be, you know that 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 really can can cause suffering at the end of the day. If you if your highlight is being a certain um, you, know, um, you know of a certain status, and I just think you know getting back to those higher levels of consciousness, 
once you tap into them, then really that that sort of stuff doesn't really matter at all because what what that status does it takes you into pride and that pride is is uh, probably halfway up the scale of your consciousness levels. You know, if you live in pride consistently, then you're not going to be really awake. Um, mm. If you can be in in the you know in those simple um, measures of, of actually being able to be grateful for being alive every day, which is a hard thing to do because we've all got the shit going on, like you said, and um, you know, to be able to sort of come back to that, I just think it, it actually helps us remove the attachment which um, which get in our way a lot of the time. Mm. And the challenge with what you're saying is completely true: is that detachment is um, it, well, it, it's easier said than done, as is everything. But mm. we grow up in a system like the the modern 2021 operating system us in australia is you know have a job make money drive to work uh do stuff on the internet da, 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 da. We're, we're just we're mesmerized and entrenched in this system that is all about anything but consciousness and awareness mm. it's it's about anything other than the soul and the spirit and mm. you know it's about productivity and efficiency and crossing t's and dotting i's and ticking boxes and hustling and grinding and producing an outcome and output and efficiency that's that's the that's the challenge and in a way all of that stuff matters in an external way in a you know building a business and brand i get it that stuff matters and i've got a business and i've got employees and i get it but i think that the ongoing challenge is we need to be able to consciously step out of that operating system to be still as you've spoken about before and to you know, whatever your whatever your version of meditation is, you know, it might be running, it might be swimming, it might be sitting on a cushion, it might be a chant, a mantra, whatever your version, it might be prayer, you know. But to be able to find that out of mind, in inverted commas, space, to get out of my, you know, like 70,000 thoughts a day, give or take, we have 95% of those thoughts we had yesterday. Mm. And, and the challenge is, how do I get out of thought? How do I get out of that busyness and that chaos of my mind? Um, because my mind is, you know, my mind is uh, a blessing, but sometimes it's a curse. Mm. You know, and sometimes where the joy is, is beyond thought. It's beyond, um, it's beyond psychology. It's beyond science. It's in that space that doesn't make sense, but at the same time, it's beautiful. Yeah, great servant, but a terrible master. And if you're not doing anything to, to, to keep it balanced and controlled, then those default mechanisms will start to kick in and you start to become doubtful and you start to become fearful and you start to become guilty and shameful of all the things that you, you, know, you missed out on when you were young that could have made you better than what you, uh, you thought you would become. You know? But I guess we have the, the ability to be able to reboot and reset ourselves consistently every day and... And that can come through from, uh, you know, getting guidance from people like yourself that can give people pathways, which is, you know, something that I did. I, I eleven or twelve years ago, as I said, when I sort of sort of started my own journey, I, I downloaded a gym program off the internet, and that gave me structure that I could actually mm. work on, and that structure gave me results. You know, if I was just going in there blind, then I wouldn't have been able to uh, to follow uh, something which was giving me support, you know, unconsciously or subconsciously. Uh, actually, well, no, it was probably more consciously because I could see what I was doing, but the, yeah. the, the, the individual wasn't there uh, to, to, to guide me. So I just took the autonomy within myself. And I guess, you know, with what you're doing, Craig, you can give people programs and, and pathways to be able to help them transition into a, a more 
uh, successful, authentic life or what they want to become within themselves? Yeah, look, I'm a big... This is going to sound self-sabotaging, but I always tell people Craig Harper's definitely not the answer. Yeah. <laughs> and But, you know, I've written some books and I run some programs and, and all of that kind of stuff, um, but I'm more about promoting the listener than promoting me. So, you know, you and I, over the course of our, you know, what we do, sharing ideas, thoughts, motivating, inspiring people, we're not teaching anything that's never been taught. You know, mm. it's none of this stuff is new. Uh, and it's good that we're doing it and it's good that we're trying to help people. But I'm, I'm really about people helping themselves and hopefully, you know, like, for example, this conversation, what's the value for the listener? Mm. Well, the value is in hopefully they get a bit entertained and they enjoy it, but hopefully the, the real value lies in their ability to apply something that made sense, mm. you know, because listening to stuff is not doing stuff. Having understanding is not execution you know knowing is not doing and so you know i'm i'm yeah i do run programs and i I do kind of you know i like you i have a podcast and we go pretty well we have lots of listeners and all that stuff and i love people doing my workshops and coming to seminars and it's great um but i'm really passionate about people understanding that that you know that Aaron and Craig and all the other people who are in this space are just resources. Mm. Like I'm not, I'm not an expert. I'm not a guru. I'm not a solution. Mm. I'm just a resource. And how valuable I will be as a resource depends on what people do with what I share. Mm. You know. Oh, absolutely, mate. That's beautifully said. There's no ego here, and uh, and that's that's important because Craig, twenty years ago wouldn't be able to have the, 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 the words you've just given to me, I wouldn't have, would have thought, you know? So, the, the, well, yeah. I, and I just, you know, mate, you've got to be real and authentic, you know? I used to be so ego-driven, so insecure, so wanted everyone to love me, need me, want me, fucking be impressed by me. Mm. I was just a dickhead trying to figure it out. Mm. And now I'm just an older dickhead trying to figure it out, but <laughs> more authentically, you know? And I always say to people, if I didn't help or coach or support anyone until i had my shit together i would never do it yeah yeah because i'm still the biggest challenge in my life is me and you know trying to manage me Mm. (laughs) is a full-time job yeah absolutely it's a daily job too you gotta you gotta be able to do it every day mate and every day is a gift we've got to keep reminding ourselves of that it's bloody hard to do when we're so busy in the mind of uh, all the things that are external from us but Every day is a different day, you know. We've never experienced, um, never, never experienced before. So we can actually like be curious uh, and just see what's going to transpire throughout that day. I think you'll find that it can be quite joyful. Definitely. And what you said is, like a lot of people say that, but not a lot of people really get that, you know, like every day is a new day. But literally, you know, one of the problems I reckon is that because we've had, for example, you and I were recording this on a Sunday, because we've had so many Sundays, mm. we don't appreciate this one. Yeah, like, that's right. We are never going to, like this day, this date, this moment in time, this conversation right now, you and I will never, ever again, ever, we might have another conversation, but we'll never have this conversation. Mm, that's right. You and I will never, ever in our life be in this moment in time ever again. But because we have so many moments, we don't value them. Mm. We don't treasure them. You know, and one of the 
one of the things I try to encourage people is, you know, don't wait, don't wait for the catastrophe before you start to have appreciation for what for what there is in your world. Mm. You know, so many people, you know, it's it's when there's an accident or a tragedy or some kind of suffering, all of a sudden they have this amazing awareness and gratitude. Ama- imagine if we had the awareness and gratitude now before the catastrophe, mm. before the tragedy, before the pain, where we just somehow tapped into that, you know, that deeper sense of who am I and look at what I have. Like, I, because I work with a lot of people with a lot of big issues, I am eternally grateful. I say to Melissa, who runs my life, if I ever complain about my life, punch me in the face because I'm the problem, <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, because... I am just the most lucky, the most fortunate, the most blessed, whatever. And, yeah, I've done some work and stuff, but I had a running start. Mm. You know, I live in Australia for a start. Mm. I had good parents for a start. I was never – I didn't live in poverty. I wasn't abused. I wasn't hurt. Like, I I feel almost guilty. And so with all of that luck, all of that good fortune, all of that whatever, I feel a responsibility – to try and serve others. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I, 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 I'm the same, mate. Uh, I just think my life has taken me on this, on this, down this path for for a reason. Uh, mm. You know, I that 14 year old boy, I could have uh, could have went the other way, and and I would not be having this conversation with you. But with all the with all the trials and tribulations and all the all the soup. You know, coming out the other side of the soup a little bit strained out, and uh, to be able to sort of you know, wake up by doing the work, I guess mm. you know, was was the real gift. I had to put the work in, and and that's what was there in front of me all the time. You know, you got to nothing's handed to you on a platter. You have got to realise who you are by by doing the work, and uh, it's very uncomfortable for people to do that. But it's just one day, one rep, whether it's weights or whatever, at a time. One moment in meditation at a time, one conversation like we're having, which we'll never get back again. Now, being able to appreciate those without being um, anxious and, and having the mind in speed like it consistently is, to be able to sort of bring that back to trying to actually appreciate what's going on. And when we finish our chat today, we're going to go off into experiences we've never experienced before. If we can go and do mm. that with curiosity, then I guess um, we're going to go to bed feeling pretty good tonight. Mm, yeah, exactly. And and it's interesting that you talk about a bit of, you know, getting uncomfortable and the the dichotomy is with discomfort and pain is that, you know, if you talk to most people, they want to grow and learn and evolve and build resilience and become a better version of themselves. But at the same time, most of us are hardwired for comfort. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the problem is we avoid the thing that develops us the most. And as you discovered when you started the gym, how do you get strong? You get strong, literally get strong by working against resistance, Mm. by doing something hard, by putting yourself through a a level of strategic suffering. The byproduct is strength. The byproduct is power. The byproduct is hypertrophy, muscle growth. And so too mentally and emotionally, and even spiritually, when we put in our put ourselves in a place where we've got to do something hard and uncomfortable, mm-hmm. that that right now in the moment it's not much fun. But what it's doing is it's shaping us and changing us 
to become the person we need to be to be the best us so that we can live our best life. Yeah, absolutely, Craig. It's like the gym thing, in comparison, that was easy as compared to stillness. So when I had to mm. be still, like my mind saying, get up, what the fuck are you doing? You know, like you can't do this, you can't do that. This is hurting, that's hurting. Once you surrender and let go of everything, then you just let let all attention go out of the mind and, and everything sort of seems to take care of itself, you know. We're, we're, so, we're so like stuck with the tensions going from our mind to our body and it's not actually letting us um, be free. But once you let, let go of that, and I believe if you can find that moment of surrender every day, then... Um, you will actually start to become more conscious, and, and I just that's what I guess that's what life is trying to teach us consistently. You could walk outside your house and you could see a couple of birds doing their thing, or you know some some something in nature that's just just living freely. Well, I guess we are meant to be doing the same, uh, but we're just getting in the road all the time. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree, and I think that you know, like where we where we grow and learn and evolve. Uh, you know, it's in the mayhem, mate. It's in the busyness. It's in the chaos. And, and it's also when we step out of the chaos and find ourselves in some space and stillness and serenity. So Yeah, absolutely. And that's why so many people are going to the Himalayas and sitting in caves now, <laughs> as they have been for years, you know, just to, to, to find that. But we can find pockets of that every day, mate. Like we can actually find pockets. You know, I can go outside, I can sit there for a while, and there's going to be things going on out there that I've never seen before as we just touched on, you know. So if I go out there with that mindset rather than actually be thinking too much about stuff that uh, is making me fear, uh, sorry, fear fearful or, or, you know, what about this, what about that? Well, the more the more we can come back to that appreciation of actually being present in what we're doing, I guess that's the gift in itself. And, and I guess that's probably a foundation for this conversation and for, for people to take away um, from this. It doesn't matter how big your biceps are, how how many uh, ripples you've got on your, on your, on your abs, uh, any of that, that's, that's external stuff. Primarily, it's making you look good to others, great, but also how do you feel inside? So whatever it is that's challenging you at the moment or that you've got in, in front of you at the moment, start to do some work on it. And I believe that work will, will actually give you the growth that you need. Um, and and that's, that's beautiful to hear, Craig, you know, you, you talk about that because you've got to have resistance. We, we see the external, like the gym, as being that form of resistance, but there's other things in our lives that we might, might feel uncomfortable with um, that, mm. that may help us feel, uh, you know, make changes. And you're an example of that, mate. You, you were comfortable eating sugar and shit food all the time up until the age of 14, but you had to, like, you know, turn right instead of turning left all the time and... Um, uh, you know, that's, that's available to all of us if we're aware of, uh, of our patterns and what we can actually do to, to move out of those patterns. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I mean, look, everything, everything comes at a cost. You know, getting out of your head comes at a cost, building biceps, building a business, doing a PhD, buying a house. And it's whether or not we're prepared to do what's required to create the outcome we want. Mm. You know, I, I'm always telling people you're not going to accidentally succeed. You're not going to accidentally end up awesome. You know, you there's whether or not that's finding inner peace or whether or not that's building a, a world-famous brand, whatever it is, everything, you know, there's work to be done and it's whether or not you're going to do the work to become the person that you want to become and to create the outcomes you want to create. And, you know, we're all just works in progress, mate, mm -hmm. all trying to do our best. That's it. Absolutely, mate. Really grateful for our conversation, Craig. How can people get hold of you? 
Um, so you can, I guess, have a look at my website, which is just Craig Harper, one word, craigharper.net. You can follow me on Instagram, which is at whiteboard lessons, one word, at whiteboard lessons. Um, what else? Facebook, all those normal things to search my name and I have a podcast called The You Project, The U-Y-O-U Project. You can have a listen to that when you're not listening to this great podcast. Yeah, good. Everyone will be podcasted out, but that, that's awesome, mate. I know you've got like, geez, 430-odd episodes on there, haven't you? So um, uh, I haven't even listened to one myself yet, which is terrible, and I'm ashamed of that, so I apologise. I will be listening one-to-one tomorrow. Uh, but, um, yeah, mate, I, I reckon uh, people will get a lot of... Uh, wisdom from from not only yourself from your own podcast but also some of the people you've had on thank you mate well you don't need to listen to any you're a busy man but if you do that's good but i will say if someone wants to with mental health issues the one that went up today is with a guy called dane beams yep ex calling ex collingwood and brisbane player who's been down a very dark path and has turned his life around and his habits and behaviors and so I think you'll really like that one yourself, Aaron. Yeah. But, yeah, that's – so have a listen to that. But, oh, mate, thanks yeah. for having me on the show and good luck with everything and you're doing a ripper job. Appreciate it, brother. Thank you. Guys, thanks so much for listening to Craig and I. Uh, we went pretty deep there on lots of stuff, so I'm hoping that uh, you got through to the end of the podcast here and we're able to pick up some, some maybe things that uh, you might be able to bring into your own life which could be valuable. But, um yeah, check out Craig's website, craigharper.net, and um, yeah, really interesting uh, interesting man with his journey, like, geez, you know, being obese and um, coming out of that into what he's done now, that's that's available to all of us if we're actually like, really focused and determined to make those changes, so we can do anything with our lives if we, uh, we, we're determined enough to do so, so appreciate you tuning in, email me if you need uh, any information or support or I can help in any way, support at outbackmind.com.au, website outbackmind.com.au, more awesome guests coming up, so please tune in, please share the podcast with others, I'd be really grateful, thanks very much, cheers.